and welcome back to Indie Talk. I'm your host, Paul Martinez. Uh, today, we've got two shows we're going to take a look at. We're going to take a look first at House of Hardcore 8, which is Tommy Dreamer's uh, federation out of the East Coast, uh, Philly, New York, Jersey, that area. And then we'll, we'll take a look at the latest episode of Lucha Underground. So we're going to get right to it. Okay, uh, House of Hardcore 8, coming from Philadelphia. The opening match, Brian Myers takes on P.J. Black. Now, I've mentioned these guys before, but just in case you haven't listened to uh, earlier episodes, Brian Myers is the former Kurt Hawkins from WWE, and P.J. Black is the former Justin Gabriel. This was a really nice matchup. I've always liked Myers, uh, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins. I've always liked him uh, when he was in uh, NXT. I always thought he was a lot better than given credit for. One thing they didn't mention here, and I didn't even remember this myself, is he's a former WWE Tag Team Champion. I totally forgot him and Zack Ryder won the titles. This goes to show you, like, how it's just so different the way they do things in that company. Like, you know, the titles just flop around to everybody. A lot of big spots in this match early on. A lot of high-flying spots. A lot of wrestling, uh, chain wrestling. It's very, it was a quick but solid match, really, all around. Yeah, a little bit of everything here. And uh, it was a 450 splash that PJ Black hits to beat Myers. I gave it two stars, really just because it was a quick match, but I'm hoping Myers is not just going to be enhancement talent here. I don't think, I think they had mentioned he hasn't won ever on this show, so it makes him sound like enhancement talent to me. Uh, I hope that's not the case. I think he's better than that. Our next match is Matt Stryker. Yes, the announcer of Lucha Underground getting in the ring. He's taking on Amazing Red. This was a Matt Wrestling uh, classic early on. Um, one thing Stryker can do, and there's not a lot of things I think he can do, but uh, he is very good Matt Wrestler. He's uh, very sound scientifically. He's wrestling this match as a heel. We're really working the arm of Red throughout the match. You know, really working it, and uh, Red's doing a great job of hitting his offense, but constantly selling the arm. It's a good job by by Red. But uh, as the match goes on, they're fighting on the top rope, and Red hits the cold Red from the top. Follows with the Red Star press, gets the win. I uh, gave it two stars. Striker, although being as I said, a really good mat wrestler, he's really poor at selling and. His bad selling actually took away from his match. Our third match, Alex Reynolds takes on JT Dunn. Now, I've never seen JT Dunn before. This is my first experience of watching him. Alex, if you remember from some of the early shows, he's one half of the Reynolds brothers who were the uh, PWS tag champs. Uh, This match... This was not a good match, just, I'm going to be very honest. It's very sloppy. The fans felt the same way. There's a lot, you know, and this is in Philadelphia. And 
Let me tell you, there's one place that you can't have a sloppy match. It's in Philly. They have no tolerance at all. There's a lot of talk about Philly fans, and, you know, I, I'm a little critical of Philly fans, too, I think, sometimes. I think, I think they bought into their gimmick of being, like, the toughest fans out there, and now have become kind of on a jerkish level. But in this match, I thought them, uh, the booing was, was, I thought the booing was, was well within their right, because this, this was not a very crisp match. Reynolds wins it with a cold breaker. They put off, a, put a big thing on. This was his first win in House of Hardcore. So uh, I only gave it one point five stars, and I'm probably being generous there. Get to our next match, and it's Rhino versus Eddie Kingston. And this is a brawl. I mean, you know, what else could Kingston do? I mean, you're not going to see Kingston have a catch as catch can match. Um. Rhino, Rhino looks good, and I, I heard a rumor that uh, I guess WWE signed him in some capacity. I don't know to help. You know, they seem to do that every now and then, where they bring back veterans for short-term contracts. I guess to work with uh, the young guys. Uh, so I have, I don't watch really WWE, so I, I haven't seen him there. But watching him here, he looks good. I mean, he's putting on a few pounds from his days, but not a lot, really. You know, like like I said, it's just a brawl. There's nothing to this match at all. Uh, Rhino hits a gore to end it. Two stars. I have nothing to say. I I, I just I can't stand any Kingston. I, any match he's in, I, I kind of tune out. Then we get a six man tag match. Uh, Ben the Beast Ortiz. Uh, who came out with DJ DG Haven as his manager? Hale Collins, who came out with a girl you know, coined by the name of Patricia Bateman. I've never heard of her before. I've never seen her before. But I hope I see a lot more of her. Whew. She was hot. And uh, Vic Delicious, uh, who came out with two. Mm, Buxom beauties. Uh, I forgot what they called them. Uh, I couldn't even remember their name. All I could remember was the uh, Skippy outfits and the huge <laughs> assets that they uh, possess. They're they're going up against Team Tremendous, a team which I'm actually becoming a big fan of and was very popular with the crowd. And Tony Nice, another guy who. I really like Tony Nese. It's kind of funny. Um, he wrestles in some places as a heel, some places as a face. He's a face here without the hard part. But I, 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 I have really become a Tony Nese fan uh, over the last year or so. Now, they uh, they did, you know, Team Tremendous, if you don't know, I talked about it in the previous show. They do this kind of uh, uh, their detective gimmick. And uh, they they decide to frisk the referee and find a bag of contraband on the referee, and so they throw the referee out and ban him from the ring, and call upon a special guest referee, and it's none other than Mikey Whipwreck, 
Well, of course, you know, this is taking place in the old ECW arena with the, uh, the fans pop for this. And this is just a wild, wild match. Um, it's, stuff is going on everywhere. Uh, Team Tremendous looks really good. Hale Collins looks good. Look delicious. Uh, and Ben the Beast. They're okay. They're not bad, but uh, they're not. Just, I don't think they're on the level of these other guys, but, uh, especially Team Tremendous. Who, they did some great stuff. Uh, can't remember his name. It's Ben. Ah, I can't remember his name. All right, I apologize for that. But he uh, he does a, a beautiful uh, somersault uh, corkscrew plancha on everybody, and then Carr, who's a about 350 pounds. He does a somersault plancher that uh, Mikey Whipwreck like, almost dared him like he ain't gonna do. And he did. And wiped everybody out. The fans loved it. So then everybody's laid out on the ground and the fans are screaming at Mikey. And so what the hell if it being a referee doesn't matter. Mikey goes up the top and and uh, does, does a does a a tope off the top rope onto uh, everybody under the floor. The crowd is going crazy. They love it. Throw everybody back in the ring. Bill Carr uh, grabs a hold of, I believe it was Hale Collins, and does a Canadian destroyer. Holy shit. I, it, <laughs> I'm still camp, uh, looking at the face of Mikey and some of the fans in the crowd of total disbelief that this man decides to pull this move off. Um, of course, that was the end. This was a really fun match. I, I don't think it was a great wrestling match. It was just fun. Team Tremendous is a great act. They're really fun to watch. And th this match was basically used just to get them over. Um, I'm giving it two and a half stars. Uh, really, really, really like Team Tremendous. I want to see a lot more of them. They're really uh, growing on me. This is only my second time seeing them, but both times I really liked what I saw. Our next match, Lance Hoyt, the American Psycho, also known as Vance Archer, is one half of the Killer Killer Elite Squad in New Japan and uh, and Noah. Versus the, uh, the former Carlito, but apparently WWE copyrighted the name Carlito. So he's now going by Carlos Colon or Carlos Colon Jr. And they are against Matt Hardy. So uh so three way three way dance or whatever, but actually it's more like a triple threat because it was an elimination. And this was a really good hardcore match. We get chairs, we get ladders. I gotta say, uh Carlos is in great shape. Uh, really, really great shape. Uh, Hoyt looked great. Uh, I really have... I've said this about a lot of guys. You know, a lot of guys who you may have seen in TNA or WWE. And you might think like, eh, they're okay, but they're not special. And then they go to Japan. And they really come into their own. And that's, that's happened with uh, Lance Hoyt. Uh, since going to Japan, his his ring game has really stepped up, and he looked really good in this match. Matt Hardy, you know, I, 
I've said for a while, I think Matt Hardy's best days are behind him. Not that he can't go anymore. It's just he's not the guy he was, you know, 10 years ago. Who, who of us are, really. He's also still, still a little pudgy. You know, I, I wouldn't call him fat, but he, he's not uh, ripped either. And like I said, just a basic hardcore match, you know, a lot of chair shots and stuff like that. Hardy winds up winning after giving Carlos a twist of fate on the ladder. The fans were not thrilled with this result. He gave the match two and a half stars. I thought it was a decent match. But uh, the, there was some booing in the crowd. Matt Hardy was easily not the most over guy in this match. I would think fans were probably more behind Carlos than anybody. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I forgot to go over something earlier. Uh, and I apologize. I'm going to backtrack before this match. Uh, after the match with uh, the six-man tag match, Mikey Whipwreck, all his students that were in the on the show came out, got in the ring. They showed a video, a highlight video of Mikey's career and uh, what he's done as, as a trainer. As he's trained a lot of these guys, uh, Bill Carr, the one... I believe he, he trained Tony Nese. So there's a lot of guys that uh, he had trained who came into the ring to uh, give respect. I think Alex Reynolds was in there. Amazing Red. So uh, they all they did a really nice ceremony for Mikey, celebrating his career, what happened. Mikey gets the mic, cuts a promo, saying he's not the greatest talker in the world, but uh, the fans love him. He, he looked genuinely choked up. And uh, thank the crowd and thank the fans for everything he's ever had. And it was a really nice moment in the show and a very touchy and classy moment for a guy like Mikey Whipwreck. While Mikey, I never thought, was the most talented guy in the ring, he had heart of a lion. He showed that in the ring in some brutal, wild ECW brawls. And uh, again, what he's done as a trainer, uh, has been great. He's trained a lot of, a lot of guys in this business. So, you know, it was a really nice touch, and I'm really sorry that I, I, I glossed over that earlier. Okay, um, now we're back to after the hardcore match. And they have a, uh, a special ring announcer, some guy from, like, uh, radio station, I guess in Jersey. And of course, typically the classes Philly crowd boos this guy basically out of the building. And uh, out comes Justin Roberts, the former WWE announcer. He comes to save him. He tries to cut, you know, uh, a hardcore, not, I want to say hardcore, a heartfelt promo about his time in WWE and his time in, before that in ECW. Of course, these garbage fans shit on him too. Don't allow the man to speak. But finally, he has to resort to, like, F-bombs. Then, of course, it's respected, you know. Once you're cursing every two seconds, then the Philly fans all of a sudden have respect for you. I'm telling you, I, I really feel the fans of Philly have bought into their own gimmick, and it's, it's become, it's no longer what they were. Before, they were, like, the, I felt, like, the smartest fans, the coolest fans. Now, they're just the rudest fans. And I have no patience for them. But uh, he cuts a promo about being back, you know, in, in the ECW arena and 
you know, screwed WWE and he never felt anything there that wasn't wrestling, blah, blah, blah. And uh, now he's here in House of Hardcore. So I'm guessing that we'll see him on future shows. Our next match, well, first we have like 20 minutes. I, I, I didn't time it, but it was, really felt like a longer than usual intermission. So I'm going to say it probably was about 20 minutes. And uh, when we come back, The Addiction, which is, of course, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, take on Team 3D, Bubba and Devon back together. Fitches are wrestling as heels in this match, and they, they dominate this match pretty much from the start. They, they throw Bubba through a table outside the ring early on. And uh, they're really, you know, between the action, they grab the mic and start ripping Devon as they're beating on him. Like, you know, how he's nothing. He was, uh, you know, like, you know, trying to say that Bubba carried the team. Devon was never anything, you know. Really heal stuff to get the crowd annoyed. And, of course, Devon makes a comeback. Uh, then Bubba gets in there. They do the, uh, they get the table spot. As they're getting the same at the table, Thea Trinidad. Oh, man, does she look amazing. You might remember her as Rosita in TNA. But she's sporting these blonde locks. I saw her at the uh, Big Event 8 convention a couple weeks ago. And I was just, like, staring at her, like... Not staring at her like, oh my god, that's Rosita. Staring at her like, oh my god, who is this hot chick? Not even realizing it was Rosita. She looks totally different with the blonde hair. But she wears it well. Uh, so she comes in the ring, and she low blows both members of 3D. Gets heat from the crowd. And in runs Velvet Sky from an Isolation. She comes in, she attacks Thea. Then uh, Devon does the what's up to uh, her, you know, the what's up, that's the, uh, the headbutt off the top rope to the growing region. I guess he hurt his neck as he stood there a long time. This is a family show, right? Yeah. Addiction winds up finally coming in. They hit chair shots and a pair of STOs. They only get uh, two counts, though. Daniels goes to the BME, but Devon gets his boot up, fights the Daniels' jaw. Then they hit a 3D through the table for the win. After Velvet cuts a promo, thanking her fans for her support. I oh, I met Velvet at that same show, Big Event 8, uh, last Saturday. I got to tell you, she is a wonderful person. She looked so happy, genuinely happy when fans went up to her. Like, you know, she didn't look, you know, that's two, three hours of taking pictures and signing autographs and shaking hands. I'm sure it's not easy. The place was Africa hot. I'm, I'm sure this wasn't an easy situation to deal with. And... You know, so, some were nicer than others, but I thought she was the nicest. I was able to take a photo with her. I didn't really get the chance to chat with her because, you know, there's just so many people trying to get, you know, 30 seconds of time with her. 
But uh, she is, I will tell you, as hot as Velvet Sky is on your television, she is hotter in person. She is, oh my, I'm, I'm not saying this because she's on TV and a star. She is literally maybe one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen in my entire life in person. Like, I, I really would have a hard time trying to think in my head of a woman I've ever seen in person that was better looking than her. She is totally, totally hot. And, uh, but not only that, but her personality was so genuine, so friendly. You know, we was able to take a picture. She shook my hand. She gave me a hug after, which was amazing. I mean, the hug alone was worth the price of admission. Really, really. And I, I tweeted her, and she actually tweeted back to me, which I know I sound like a 17-year-old, but I actually was like, so happy that she did. And I told her, I'm a fan for life, you know. Um, and she never goes back to TNA. Wherever she goes, I, I'll follow and I'll watch her. I, I never thought she was the best in the ring. And I don't think she ever thought of herself as a great in-ring competitor. But she is a star. And she carries herself as one. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. And uh, believe me, not everyone had the same attitude that she did at that convention. You know, I don't want to uh, you know, talk bad about anybody. <coughs> anyway, uh, two and a half stars I gave this match. Our next match is Tommy Dreamer versus Eric Young in a South Philly street fight. This is a typical old school ECW brawl. You know, EY juices. Tommy's using you know, all the stuff the fans brought to the ring. Uh, to the arena, stop signs and and crutches and <laughs> you know whatever else you could find. Again, uh, if you ever were fan, if you ever were, even if you weren't a fan, if you ever watched old ECW Tommy Dreamer matches, this is exactly right out of there. It was good, you know. It's not you don't really see this kind of wrestling anymore. You know, the time there in the nineties where it, it became overdone, where Everybody was copying it and watered it down. But being that you don't really see this style of wrestling anymore, it made this seem okay and fun and nostalgic. At one point, uh, EY juices pretty bad, and uh, he winds up punching out a ref. And Tommy hits the pile driver. So a new ref runs into count, and I knew something was up because he was wearing a ski cap when he ran in. And he counts one, two, he stops counting, and the ref is actually EC3. Uh, he goes after Tommy, Tommy winds up getting up on his shoulders, looking to give him the Spicoli driver, but Eric Young kicks him low. EY hits the power driver, EC3, uh, by the way, you know, EC3 is Ethan Carter III, just in case anybody didn't know who that was. From uh, TNA. And uh, he uh, winds up... By the way, he had this great t-shirt. I used to have a ECFNW t-shirt when I was younger. And that was you know, one of the most popular ECW shirts there were. But he had a shirt, basically the same, but it was ECFN3 instead of W. I thought that was really great. Great shirt. So anyway... Uh, uh, 
He EC3 wakes up the referee, pushes them over towards him. He counts the three count. Tommy loses. After the match, they're continuing to beat up Tommy. Tommy's students try to run in and help, but they get tossed out too. Then the lights go out for a really long time. When they turn on, Rey Mysterio is in the ring. He hits a double 619 on both men. The crowd is cheering. I gave this three stars, which is probably the highest I'm going to give a match of Eric Young in it ever. Nice moment with uh, Ray getting on the mic, talking about. And the fans gave him the welcome back chat because, um, and I had even forgotten this for a moment, Ray's first exposure in the States was in ECW. You know, before he went to WCW, uh, he was in ECW. I was actually, I don't know if I was at his very first match, but I was at one of his very first matches um, in the New York area where him, the Psychosis, and uh, some other guys came in. And I know it may not have been his very first match in ECW, but it was one of his very first matches. And um, from day one, I was like, oh, my God, who's this guy? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, Ray Mysterio did get his start in the United States in ECW, and the Philly fans uh, gave him a great, great applause. He cut a promo. He didn't really, he didn't really bang on WD or anything. He just more cut a promo about about Philly and uh, the fans there and Tommy. Uh, and, you know, thank you, Tommy, for bringing him in. And uh, Tommy told him, you know. No matter where you are in your career, if you're down, whatever happens, you always have a spot in this city, and you always can come back here, and, we'll, and you'll be welcome with open arms. Again, a little nice spot. A little, uh, you know, tip of the hat to Ray. I'm not sure Ray's going to have anything to do with House of Hardcore in the future. Uh, I'm not really sure where he's going. Of course, the rumors run rampant that he's going to be... Uh, going to Lucha Underground since he is working with AAA and uh, there's most of the uh, Lucha doors in AAA have been making appearances in Lucha Underground this makes sense that that's something they'll want to do, they'll want to bring in Ray that, that's a huge name you, know, you get him, you get Alberto Johnny Mundo uh, Puma you, you, you're starting to get a, a roster there in Lucha Underground in which people you know, even the casual fans are going to know. So I, I think that's uh, why I think he's going to wind up. But you never know. Um, money talks. Who knows? You can see him in Ring of Honor. You can see him, you know, TNA. I, I mean, I doubt that he would go to TNA. I think he can make a lot more money on the indies. But uh, the TNA allows him to keep working the independents and work for them. You can probably see him there. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what Ray does. Uh, Ray claims that he is totally healed up, which is, you know, well, he's taken a long time off. I mean, it's got to be at least six months since he's wrestled. But he's taken a long time off, you know, had the surgery, and is trying to heal up. I do kind of feel he had long, for a long time, for those who don't know, he wanted out of WWE. He was practically begging for his release, and WWE was being really jerks about it. And, I mean, do I understand where WWE's coming from? I think what WWE felt, and I'm not even going to say it's not true, I think they felt he could have been wrestling, 
he wasn't as injured as he said he was. He just kind of did that because, you know, he wanted out and he didn't want to put any more damage on his knees working for them since he didn't want to be there anymore. I think WWE felt like, well, you know, you're under contract, so you're kind of stealing, you know, your money. But here's the thing, which a lot of you don't know. Ray, I think for the last year, wasn't even cashing his checks. He wasn't taking any money. WWE made him sit there. They extended his contract because of the injury, and he didn't work enough dates, they felt. So they made extend his contract for a few months. But he wasn't getting paid. He was for free. He just held him. They basically held him hostage. But this is like one of the more reasons. Like with every passing day, I grow a hatred for that company. Uh, and uh, this, this is another reason why. Uh, you know, what they did to Ray, and I was never the biggest Ray fan. But, I mean, I appreciated his talent. But this is not what you do. You know, if a guy wants out, let him out of his freaking contract. And this is what happens with guys like CM Punk. And, and I, believe me, I am not one of these CM Punk apolog apologists at all. But you know what? If somebody doesn't want to work for you, you can't force them to work for you. I mean, yeah, you want to sit there and play the, we, we got a contract, so we're not, you know, you can't wrestle for nobody else. I right, find it. You know, if you want to do that pettiness, go ahead and do it. But. Regardless, you know, you can't force somebody to work for you who doesn't want to work for you. And the fact that we're seeing, we're seeing Ray want out. We're seeing CM Punk walking away. Jeff Hardy walked away. I don't remember if Matt was released or walked away, so I'm not going to say for sure about Matt Hardy. Uh, the Young Bucks, which has become a war now with WWE and them. Because the Young Bucks were offered a spot on NXT or whatever to come in. And they were like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, we're happy where we are. And they took it as an insult. Like, what do you mean? No. We're offering you to come here and work for us. And they're like, well, you know, thank you for the offer, but we're happy where we are. We like working in Ring of Honor. We like working in New Japan. We like working in independence all across the country. We're making money. We're making good money. And, you know, we're still not on the road as much as we would be working for your company. And we have freedom to be who we are, you know. And I would totally respect the Young Bucks for this. When I heard the Young Bucks turned on WWE, I always liked the Young Bucks. And I had said in previous shows, maybe I became... Huge Young Buck fan. Uh, you know, there's no way I cannot like them now. I have so much respect for them. You know, it's it's so petty. WWE is now going to copyright the too sweet finger sign. You know, the horns. They're going to copyright that because the Young Bucks use it. And if you've been watching WWE, and I don't, but I, I do, I do listen to uh, uh, podcasts and stuff going over what happens. I like to know what's happening on the show, even if I don't want to sit and watch it. You know, you just like to keep up to date with what's going on. And apparently, there's super kicks going crazy over there. Before, no one did the super kick ever, because that was like Shawn Michaels' thing. And after Young Bucks turned them down, all of a sudden, 
like every match is like four or five super kicks. I heard the Usos are, are, you know, throwing more super kicks than the Bucks do in a match. And of course, that's obviously WWE um, coming after them. So, you know, this, this is just so annoying. And, you know, as we're talking about the Young Bucks, they are the main event of this, of this show. They, and they are facing the team of Austin Aries, Bobby Roode. I mean, these are four guys in the ring right now who I really like. I love Bobby Roode in ring. Uh, I think he is a fantastic in ring performer. Austin Aries, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And the aforementioned Young Bucks. But this was a great match. Aries and Rude really control this match most of the way. You don't really see that too much with the Bucks, you know, where they're just selling and selling. But this again, like I said, this is how they've changed um, and how they can work. And they did a great job of selling. But uh, eventually, you know, it's the main event and it's a Young Bucks match and it's got to get crazy. And it did. And it started to get really heated. And of course, we had a hashtag super kick party. As they were super kicks flying everywhere. In the end, they hit a Meltzer driver on a double. Get the victory. I gave us three and a half stars. Match of the night. After the match, uh, they, they're raising each other's hands. Putting each other over. It was really great. The crowd loved it. All of a sudden, Sandman's music starts to play. as The crowd pops. But uh, we never get to see Sandman come out as the show goes off the air. This was a fun show. It was a great main event. And, uh, you know, I got to give Tommy Dreamer credit. He does a great job of getting talent in for these. So uh, I'll be looking forward to House of Hardcore 9. And uh, like I said, it's just a fun show. And uh, I don't, it's not too serious. I wouldn't call it uh, the greatest show I've ever seen. I don't think they're trying to be that. I don't think they're trying to give the fans a fun night out. And they, uh, they accomplished that. Okay, Lucha Underground, which I believe this is episode 18. show opens, and uh, I saw an actor from the Office TV show sitting in the front row. Um, his character's name was Clark. Uh, he was the kid with the glasses. He's done like a few movies, too. I think he was in that Hot Tub movie, if I'm not mistaken. Our opening match, Pentagon Jr. versus Argenis. You know, despite being a heel, this crowd is all for Pentagon. He's become maybe the most popular guy on the show right now. And uh, this is all Argenis early on. Of course, Argenis is the brother of Mystico, who was the original Sin Cara. And uh, I like Argenis. Uh, he has the top of Pura Karana, which is nice. They show AC Green is at the show sitting in the front row. They also show Josh Barnett, who is the color guy. For New Japan on Access TV. Which, by the way, if you're not watching New Japan Pro Wrestling on Access TV, why? So anyway, Josh Burnett is the color guy on that show. He's in the crowd uh, watching the show. Pentagon wants to starting to come back. It's starting to hit some big moves. The crowd's popping for it. Then he hits a running package pile driver. Uh, then the seated arm bar for the submission. Once again, he snaps the arm after. I gave this match three stars. I, I, I just, I love Pentagon. Uh, felt bad for Argenis. You know, I, I like him. I was hoping this wouldn't happen with the arm with him, but I guess we won't be seeing him back on TV for a while. 
Pentagon cuts another one of his promos where we get the subtitles for to his master. Still no clue who his master is. I am now starting to come off my idea that it's no muertes. So I'm not sure who his master is. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I guess at some point. Down into the catacombs uh, in a locker room type area, we see Phoenix. He's like messing with his gear. You know, like adjusting his knee pads and stuff as if he was going to have a match today, but he wasn't on the card. Katrina appears. She says he may be a man of a thousand lies, but Mill will destroy them all unless he buries him. Then we get a new Conan video. We see him making this new indestructible cane, which was broken uh, during that Puma versus Cage match. And this one is indestructible. You know, he, he's you see him, he's using it, he's breaking through cinder blocks with it. Uh, God damn, this was friggin' awesome. This was an awesome video for Conan. Considering this guy is not can't wrestle anymore, still, this made him look totally badass. Fantastic job. Our next match, well, it's the low point of the, of the show. Ivelisse Versus Angelico, again, this time, Senna Havoc is a special referee. I don't know if I even want to get into how creepy this was. I'm starting to loathe Angelico. Throughout the whole match, he was more concerned with feeling her up and kissing on her hand and having a match. Eva least actually looked really good. It got off some really nice offense. Uh, every now and then, though, uh, Senna Havoc would uh, it's a fear to either stop Angelico from hurting Ivelisse or from molesting Ivelisse. Uh, both things were going on in this match. Angelico gets pissed off, throws a flying kick at Son of Havoc, but he ducks. He catches Ivelisse with it. And uh, he covers her in a very non-family entertainment way. Son of Havoc, just to get him off of him, counts a fast three and shoves him off. I gave this one and a half stars. I really wanted to give it zero stars, to be honest. I'm giving one and a half stars out of respect to Ivelisse, and I thought she wrestled a fine match. But I'm creeped out by this. I don't, I don't understand how women's groups are not totally complaining. I mean, it's one thing about the man-on-woman violence. That's one thing I don't like. But I'll take the man-on-woman violence way more than I'll take this guy rubbing his friggin' penis on Ivelisse, who, you know, I know it's a storyline, and I understand that, and they're probably going to wind up putting it to some point where she winds up liking it and wanting him. But she didn't like it here. Whenever he did it, she was very angry slapping him uh, and really disturbed by it. So as far as I'm concerned, this was a man putting unwanted sexual advances on a woman, and yet we're supposed to cheer this? Really? We're supposed to cheer this man dry-humping this woman in the ring, and she's trying to have a match? Now, again, this is why I don't want to see these friggin' in- intergender matches. But if you're going to have an intergender match, at least have the respect 
to do it the way Big Rick did it with with Sexy Star, where it's like, okay, I don't want to hurt this woman, obviously, but I'm going to win the match, and, and you know, I'm not I'm not going to be patronizing. At the same time, I'm not going to be creepy and rapist-like. I mean, really, this is really bothering me. The more I think about this, I'm getting, like, my blood is starting to boil. What is wrong with this great show and, and the, but a total disrespect for women on it? I mean, is this what Lucha Libre is, a disrespect for women? And if I got to hear Matt Stryker one more freaking time, sit there and tell me about how, oh, you know, this is all about equal rights. It really, it's equal rights. It's equal rights to have a woman in the ring and be felt up by some man who's rubbing his penis on her. That's equal rights. Really, Stryker? You idiot. You know, I really like this show. But I'm going to tell you, if this stuff continues, it's going to st- cause me to stop watching. You go back to the catacombs. And Mil Muertes is uh, fixing his mask in the mirror. And Katrina appears again. Uh, I think this, to kind of make this out, like Katrina's like uh, a ghost or something. I don't know. Katrina like, appears and disappears out of nowhere. Or is he just in their heads? I don't know. They haven't really explained this. She tells him next week, basically, you know, with in Katrina speak, she's basically telling him that uh, he's going to have a coffin match with Phoenix next week and death is coming for him. And he'll be back to the little boy and that was in the rubble and blah, blah, blah. She kind of made some comment about how she met him that day. But that doesn't make any sense because as you look, I mean, yes, we can't see his face, but you can just look at him and think about how old he is and how old Katrina is. You know, she's in her 20s. He looks like he's in his 30s. How at seven years old did you meet that day in the rubble? What did you meet? Like, were you a newborn baby and he delivered you? Really stupid comment there. And again, I was already still annoyed with the whole idiotic Ivelisse nonsense. So anything stupid after this was going to like uh, show heavily to me. But uh, I'm not going to say anything else about it. I am looking forward to the match. Although, let's be honest, Phoenix has been owned by Mill every time they, they wrestle. It was a fluke victory. They fought three times. Mill has destroyed them, basically, in all three matches. Phoenix has got a fluke pin in one of them. But, you know, we'll, we'll see a fourth one. On to our main event, which is the cage match. King Cuerno versus Johnny Mundo. I was looking forward to this. Melissa Santos, my future wife, lets us know that this is a pin, a submission, or escape. Uh, this was a fantastic ma- match. Both guys really went to war, uh, pulling out all the stops. Great moves. Um, at one point, Cuerno was really mauling Johnny on the, on the fence. Johnny's selling a bad knee. I love Vampiro's commentary in this match. Sometimes he gets drowned out by idiocy of Matt Stryker. But he wasn't here. And uh, I really like, he talked about, uh, Stryker mentioned a couple of famous cage matches that had feuds. And Vampiro pointed out Vampiro versus Sting. Which I like that he had mentioned that. Uh, so, yeah, I thought Vampiro was good in this. 
as I said, really good match. Uh, Johnny, they wind up fighting on the top. Johnny drops Quino to the mat, and uh, he starts to climb over. He has the match one, but then stops. And instead of climbing down, he goes back up to the top of the cage, hits kind of a modified Lafine Mundo from the top of the cage, uh, crashing into Cuerno. He pins him. One, two, three. Johnny Mundo wins the match. I'm going to guess this is the end of the war. And uh, I gave this match four stars. It was a fantastic cage match. Johnny Mundo doesn't ever seem to have a match that's less than four stars. I mean, Right now, you know, if you if people are going to talk about who's wrestler of the year, so I mean, there's a couple guys, but really looking thinking about all of them, and I didn't think about this till right now. I would say Johnny Mundo right now, three months in, has been the wrestler of the year. Just guys, the stellar matches on every show, you know, and uh, this was a really good show. Outside of the stupid Ivelisse angle, which I'm sorry for losing my temper, but outside of that. This was a, a really good show. Again, it, it's it's a shame. Lucha Underground could definitely be maybe the best show on TV if they would just stop with the, this this stuff with the women. Uh, I just it bothers me as a Latino watching Latinos do this. It bothers me maybe even more. You know, we're not all as sexist or whatever like they show in the show. But uh, that's our show for this week. Um, I shouldn't say this week. It's our show for today. We, we've been doing more about two a week. But until that time, I want to thank you guys for joining me. And I hope to see you again on our next show. Thanks. <laughs>